welcome to FiverCast, the official Fiverr podcast for sellers by sellers. My name is Red, also known as Red Horrocks. And I'm Adam, aka Twisted Web 123. Today, we've got a very special episode where we are actually joined by a buyer on Fiverr, and that is Jennifer. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself today? Hey guys, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Jennifer and I've been using Fiverr for um, a couple of years now and had some really great experiences and I have my own tech startup um, that I've bootstrapped. So I found Fiverr to be really, really helpful in that process. Jennifer, we are so glad you're here and it's such a great opportunity for us to get a perspective from a buyer. I know that you you did a lot of work for your startup on Fiverr. What was the one thing that that um, made you select Fiverr over necessarily going for other marketplaces when you were trying to get this initial work done for your company? Sure, uh, that's a great question. So, you know, I had heard about Fiverr before I used it for gosh, quite a few months, and um, and then I started seeing the actual products that some of my, you know I work out of a lot of uh, co working venues, coffee shops. That's sort of what my business model revolves around, and having people, entrepreneurs and independent workers uh, work out of even our, our own homes. And so I was around a lot of entrepreneurial types of people and um, I saw the work that they were getting done on Fiverr. And when it came time for me to do a um, rebrand after our beta, I decided to give it a shot. So I, I signed up and started um, looking for some gigs to order. So what was the first thing you ordered on Fiverr? The first thing that I really remember the entire process around was a logo. And that's sort of what really stands out to me as like a one of like the best experiences I've had on Fiverr. But let me let me take a look real quick. I, I actually can probably go back and see which what I ordered first because now I'm actually really curious myself. <laughs> um, let's see here. Oh, you know what I did? Yep, that's what it was. Okay, so I um, there was a there was a gig to rebrand your website with uh, proven color psychology, and so this was this was very early on in the rebrand stage, and you know I was like we had before a very different looking brand in the beta, and uh, I got a lot of feedback on that. It was red and white and black. And um, we're all about connecting people and helping people create community uh, around their their work life. And so the red, white, and black was just very harsh and felt um, not as inviting as some people wanted. And so I found this gig to rebrand your website using color psychology. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. I mean, you know, for five bucks, I'll I'll see what they come up with. So that was my first gig. For the record, we ended up not going with the color pattern that was recommended, but I had a, a good experience with the actual user interface on Fiverr. So it's sort of it was a nice entry into into the platform. So you talked about a little bit. Sorry, I just want to go back a little bit and get just a tiny bit more about your company. So you you talk about connecting people. Like, what exactly does your company do? Sure. So. Um, the name of the company is Weedleet, which is W-E-L-E-E-T, and you can um, find it at weedleet.me. And the name actually comes from um, two words put together, we and elite, and that came out of this notion that there is a huge, um, huge number of people beginning to freelance 
um, and transition over from full-time jobs to independent work. And along with that is coming a ton of entrepreneurial um, activity. And in New York City, you know, there's been a real tech boom. They're like calling, you know, it's now Silicon Alley. And so um, it's sort of the name comes out of this idea that there's this really highly skilled elite workforce. But what happens when you stop working out of your, you know, nine to five office and you start working from home is that a lot of times you can get very isolated. Um, and so we're bringing those people together. Um, they connect on our platform online based on a compatibility test. And then we help them um, provide and find uh, workspace and venues offline. So um, that's the we. So it's sort of the bringing together of this elite workforce. And, um, and, and again, it's, you know, really meeting people that you are compatible with um, and then taking it actually offline into a coffee shop or a co-working space or as i mentioned even even opening up your home um, to other potential co-workers that's a really amazing company idea and that's especially really great for people like adam and i who are are constantly dealing with the the whole isolated issue of you know working from he works in a very small town and and i work in las vegas where if you're on in entertainment nobody nobody sees you so that's <laughs> that's awesome yeah, I think that actually goes um, really well hand in hand kind of like um, with Fiverr as well in the sense that it must be really great for you because you, you've set up this business, you you know, you've you're working on that and you've come to basically somewhere where your target market is to actually have that work be achieved as well. Totally. I mean, and actually, so I probably would not have heard of Fiverr as quickly or seen so many just like shining examples of what could be done on Fiverr had I been going to the same office every day. But it's because, you know, I actually am out working with different people also from different industries. I don't, you know, I don't only work with the same types of people every day who are in the same industry. Um, that's the great thing about co-working and, and doing independent work. When you get out of your house and start to interact with people or even invite people over to work with you, they don't necessarily have to be doing the same thing you're doing. So, um, you know, if you're a writer, it's great to connect with other writers to improve that craft. But actually, if you um, want to improve your skill set and your knowledge base, it's really great to work with designers or maybe a lawyer. And so um, you get a real cross section of different types of people who come together and your your knowledge base just really expands and grows that way. In fact, you know, I think I think it would behoove people who go to an office nine to five to get out and try some co-working because then they'd connect with really awesome people like you guys who are, you know, really driving the independent workforce. Um, and they'd hear about cool things like fiber probably a lot quicker. Since you are, you are a buyer and you have, um, you've done multiple times where you've purchased things on fiber. Can you tell us, um, for you, how do you decide when you're looking through through 10 different logo designers or 10 different website rebranding gigs, what are you looking for in order to have someone secure your sale? Like what is the main thing that draws you to a particular person? Sure. Um, well, when I first come on, and, you know, just full disclosure, I was a creative director before um, in advertising before I quit my job to start my own company. And so I was I'm very used to looking at portfolios and um, of designers and writers and, you know, um, production artists and so on and so forth. So for me, 
and I think this is true of most people, you know, your first impression is what do you see on the page? So I scroll through um, and see if what stands out to me, what work am I gravitated towards that speaks to me stylistically uh, in terms of what I'm looking for. And that's usually the first process. And then the next thing that I look for after that um, is obviously the ratings. You know, you, you want to see some good ratings and reviews. Um, but there's always the new people who, who might just be starting out, but might have some really good work. And so I think the good thing about Fiverr is you can actually give them a shot without risking a lot of, of time or money because, um, because it's, it's so accessible. And so I've worked with people who seem like they've done a ton of gigs on Fiverr. And I've also worked with a couple of people who might not have as much, um, uh, reflected on the site, but I just like something a lot that they have listed on their profile. And so I've been able to sort of try out different types of sellers in that way. Um, and then the third thing I would say after the reviews is, is once I engage a seller to me, um, sort of a, a big, um, benchmark or sort of something that I measure, them on is their responsiveness you know are they quick to respond to me and are they if i ask a question do they usually answer that question so coming back to the ratings then i want to talk with you a little bit about that because there, there's uh, at the moment obviously ratings are very important to sellers and a lot of sellers find themselves very protective of their ratings so if they get a less than three star or a negative rating a lot of sellers can kind of think oh my gosh, you know, this is going to massively impact me getting, you know, so many other future sales when they could already have quite a lot of positive ratings. Sure. So for you, when you're looking at a gig and you maybe see one or two negatives, but mainly positives, do those negatives ever kind of deter you from wanting to place an order? Well, here's the thing that I actually find really great about Fiverr. Um, and I think a couple other platforms that use uh, ratings as sort of a self-regulatory um, process. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to be dishonest. When I am looking at a, a someone who has stellar ratings, and then there's a couple of really bad ones. That, you know, you you yes, I definitely. It's it makes you pause for a second. Um, and if it comes down to two sellers and one seller and who are neck and neck and one seller has a couple of bad ratings and one seller has all glowing ratings. Well, just, you know, doing the pros and cons list, you go with the, the seller who has the better ratings. Um, but what I'll say is that I see very few sellers with bad ratings. And in my experience working with sellers, um, they are so eager and willing to, um, to work with you. And their main goal seems to be, um, to really get something to you that you like. And I think that, that that's the upside of ratings is that it switches the value system a little bit so that they're not just thinking about, the bottom line, but I feel that a lot of sellers take a lot of real pride in, in what they are giving to you. And that's invaluable. Um, and I find that communities with, 
um, ratings and reviews tend to foster those types of interactions more. And there's, it keeps the authenticity sort of on the up and up. And I really, I really, as a, as a buyer, appreciate that part of it. Then maybe this is just me. I can't speak for all buyers, but you know, you know, when you're giving someone a good rating, it's really, it's really doing them, it's helping them. And that feels great. But also like the chances, I don't really give too many people bad ratings. You just don't give a rating if you weren't, because I understand that a bad rating can have a, a an impact on a seller. And so it's not something I think that I would, I would give very loosely. For me, um, when I'm buying or, you know, when I'm on the site buying for me, uh, when it comes to the ratings, it doesn't really matter to me if a, a buyer or I should say, sorry, a seller has a few negative ratings. The thing that stands out to me the most is how the seller responds to those ratings. Mm. So if I see a seller come back and say, you know, very sorry that you didn't like your service, please feel free to reach out to me if you'd like any changes. For me, I think great, great customer service. You know, I'm happy to still buy from this person. Whereas if I see like a feedback saying, you know, silly bio or stupid bio, you know, something that's not quite as professional. Absolutely. That's what deters me, not the actual low review. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. You know, again, I have seen so few negative reviews that I, you know, I just, that hasn't been something that's been on my radar a whole lot. Um, but I think that that's a great point. I think that and that goes back to to the customer service aspect that I was mentioning that liking so much from before is, you know, when you have and that's being responsive too, right? That's like that is continuing to provide customer service even to the very end of the gig. And I really like that. The other thing that I like is when someone just says thanks or, you know, I mean, it's little things that can make a big difference. I mean, it, it, and I think that's a great point. So. Out of curiosity, when you're looking at someone's reviews, do you pay more attention to like their star rating, their like 4.8, 4.9, 5 stars, or do you pay more attention to their recent reviews? Or do you, is it kind of a mix? The first thing that stands out is, is the star ratings, because that's just a quick, easy, easy visual thing to glance at. Um, and then I would say, I, and then from there I go to their most recent reviews. Um, I will say that if there's a negative review that was, you know, buried way down in the, reviews, then that holds a lot less weight for me because I do think that, you know, hey, someone gets a bad review, they learned something and they've improved it. To me, logically, that makes sense. So I would say actually going back to the question about good reviews versus bad reviews, that is a, that's a case where, you know, if I saw someone with a negative review and then a bunch of positive reviews after it, I mean, I think that those positive reviews would outweigh that one negative. And so, um, so I think the recent um, reviews definitely hold a lot of water with me as well. As I mentioned previously, I was um, in advertising and what I started out doing in advertising was writing. And then as I sort of moved my way up uh, to creative director, I eventually was able to and had to do both writing and design and art direction. But I am in no means a designer. Um, I don't have the training and, and it's not, you know, my I, I really appreciate it, but I, I feel my strength is in writing. And so um, one of the things that I tend to come to Fiverr to do is a lot of design work. Um, and so aside from the logo and, and the brand colors, uh, I've come to Fiverr for, you know, if I needed to get a poster put together or a pamphlet or a flyer. Um, and that's for the business. I've also used Fiverr like for my son's birth announcement because there was this really cute gig where um, 
uh, one of the sellers would create a sign with a beanie baby. And I was like, oh my gosh, I got to get a beanie baby sign to announce our son. So, you know, I mean, I've actually gone from using Fiverr uh, for business and startup needs to using it just for personal use also, which is kind of fun. And, um, and I've had just as positive experiences doing that too. I actually used Fiverr for uh, my son's birth announcement as well. Oh, really? That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I hired someone to dress up as Mario ah. and and run through a level. Oh, he was running to the birth of the of, of my son. Awesome. And then it just ends with the ultra scan, which I thought was really cool as well. So, I mean, that's, that's a good thing, I, I think, about Fiverr, where you have that good mix of artistic, professional, and then more kind of personal, artistic, and gifty, etc., Totally. And then the other thing that I think what, you know, as a buyer and I, this, I don't know if this is just unique to buyers or if sellers do it too, but, um, you know, sometimes I just like to go on Fiverr to see what my options are. It's like opportunity, right? It's like, Oh, you know, what's going on, um, creatively. And so I find browsing the gigs on Fiverr just to be something that, you know, um, is helpful, even without like a set objective. Um, and you know, the, the color branding, I wasn't necessarily, I, I would have never thought initially, Oh, let me try looking for rebrand your website with proven color psychology. But, um, I definitely, when I saw it, thought, Oh, that's interesting. And, you know, gave it a shot. And like I said, we didn't end up using the recommendation, but it def, but it was still something that, that kept my own creative juices flowing. And it was great to collaborate with someone else on, on a, a problem that I was trying to solve. I think there's a lot of different kind of options available to that. And I think when you said browsing is quite a big part of that, I would, I would totally agree. Cause I mean, the chance of me as well, searching for, you know, color rebranding based on psychology or psychology of colors is quite slim, but coming across that in the search results is likely to kind of peak or spike my interest. When you're kind of um, doing these searches, how how important is the the filters or the, the search data for you uh, on Fiverr? So when you're inside the design category, for ex an example, you get lots of kind of metadata search filters that say, what kind of style do you want? Um, what sort of seller are you looking for, like level-wise? and so on and so forth. Are those quite key to you or are you a bit more loose about how you go about the search? Well, I am not a methodical searcher at all. I tend to be more on the perception, perceptive sort of uh, end of things. And so um, honestly, when I come on to, to Fiverr and a lot of searches, um, I am not a user who will um, get too caught up in filters or, or tags. Um, I might put one or two words in and I kind of go through there. And then for me, it's association. I kind of know what I'm looking for. And so when I see it, I'll buy it. So if I come online, I'm, you know, to Fiverr, if I don't see what I'm looking for, um, that day, I, I don't really belabor it. You know, there, I, I kind of will move on. And so I, I don't really. So almost like a, a kind of natural impulse. Kind of. Yeah. I'm struggling a little bit to, to put it into words because, um, yeah, a, a little bit like I'm not a real shopper, actually, is what I'm trying to say. You know, I don't I don't I'm not I, in, in offline or online. I'm just not a shopper. And so um, if I see something that I really like, 
chances are I'm not going to go looking for something that's better or, you know, a better price or a better, better piece of work. If I see it and I like it, I know, and I usually will pull the trigger on it. So when you, let's say that you do, you've come to Fiverr and you kind of have an idea in your mind of something that you're looking for. If you, if you can't find it, is it something where you would then maybe like come back a few days later? Would you consider putting in like a buyer request for it? It, it, or, you know, is it one of those things that you just kind of take it off the table in your mind? Yeah, no, I definitely would come back a few days later. And that's been sort of my experience on Fiverr in general. As you know, I'll go on, I'll browse a little bit. If I don't see it right away, again, I'm not going to belabor it. Um, I'll come back and I'll look another day. And I might not even search the same word the next day because what I'm looking for might change or I might get other feedback from people around me in that couple of days time span. And so I might come back and try something else. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the way that I have tended to, to use Fiverr so far. And it's worked for me. Um, it's, I haven't really had an occasion. I was trying to get a flyer made at one point and I did spend quite a bit of time actually looking for the perfect, seller and I just wasn't finding, you know, here's the, here, this is what I mean. And when I was on the, um, creative side of advertising, we would complain about our clients is that, Oh, they just, they don't know it until they see it, but how can they give you feedback? You know, it's, it's like, you, it's not the best feedback to say, I'll know it when I see it. And when you're the one on the creating end, it's like, Oh, that could go on forever. But I mean, I also relate to that as a buyer. Right. Um, and so what was happening in that situation for me is I was looking and looking and looking, and then it started to feel laborious. And I was like, this is no fun. You know, I didn't, it was like, I tend to go to Fiverr and I have fun. And then it started to feel like work. And so I thought, all right, I have all of these uh, sellers whose work that I like, but I'm not seeing exactly what I'm looking for. And so um, what I decided to do in that case was just reach out to, to quite a few of them. I think I reached out to maybe 10 um, just to get some feedback. And that actually really helped me narrow down the process a little bit. Um, and it was the first time I had done that. And I realized, oh, this is actually a process. I think I can use, um, you know, reaching out to a few sellers at once instead of just finding the perfect seller for the gig. And so it kind of changed the way that I used um, Fiverr. So in terms of using Fiverr, you say you've, um, you've been on the platform for a few years now. Are there any specific features that have coming over that time that have made buying much easier for you? I've always liked the extra fast option because sometimes you just need it extra fast. And so that's awesome. Um, but I noticed there's a new tab for commercial use and also for stock image. And I really like that. I really like both of those new features. Um, and so I think that that's really interesting. And um, in terms of uh, ordering the gig, you know, I've always kind of liked that, that you can get the basic gig quantity and then order the extras. That's something that's worked really well for me all along. Um, and so those are a couple of the, the features, new and old, that I've really liked a lot. Yeah, I work with quite a lot of startups and I hear, um, especially with the, the they, they love the fact that you can order, you know, the base and then upgrade because the base allows you to kind of check out the seller see if the work is good, see if it's what you're looking for, et cetera. And then when it is, you can minimize that risk and then upgrade to, you know, the biggest package if you want to. Yep. 
after you've kind of had that small little sample. And absolutely. In fact, I just had a seller. I have a gig out now that I'm um, working on for, for the holidays. And I had a seller um, that I, you know, picked out and we were having a really good interaction. And I ordered the gig that we agreed on. And then the seller wrote back and said, that's great. Um, but if you want the best package or whatever, you could do this and, and sent another offer for another X number of dollars. And I was like, Oh, that does sound really good. And so I thought about it and I was like, you know what, I'm going to upgrade my order. I, I actually do want that. And that was, that was new also. That was a, the first time I had had a counter or a new offer come in. It's great for, for, for me as a buyer, because I feel like the seller is, um, is offering me something else, right? They're, they're, they're thinking about how they can solve my problem, make it better. It's better for the seller because obviously they can, they can then, um, add on to the gig order. And so I was really happy to see that part of it because I feel like in the past for quite a while, it was all, um, on the buyer to either upgrade or not. And this was the first time I felt like the power for the upsell was placed into the seller's hand. And I think that that's awesome. So they could kind of dynamically assess what you wanted. And rather than having like the rigid kind of extras set, they could say, actually, this is what you need. And they send that through to you. Yeah, it, exactly. I mean, and, and a metaphor I would use is when you go into a restaurant, you know, and you're like, Hey, for me, you know, if, if I go into a restaurant and I'm like, Oh, I don't know what I want, but I'm thinking of this and you, ask the server and I've been a server and you say, well, what, what, you know, what, what's your favorite thing on the menu or you would recommend the thing that I just don't like to hear at all is, Oh, I don't know. Or, Oh, uh, I've never tried that. What I love to hear is actually, you know, even if I'm asking for a steak and they're a vegetarian, if they say, well, I don't eat meat, but I have heard that X, Y, and Z is really good. That is great to me. Or at the end of a meal, when somebody says, you know, great, see you later, thanks. And then they walk away and here's your check versus, you know, oh, were you hungry for dessert? I, there's this amazing blueberry pie or whatever, a la mode or fantastic hot fudge sundae. Even if I don't want or get the hot fudge sundae, I always really appreciate that extra effort. And let's face it, I probably usually get the hot fudge sundae too. <laughs> because I'm probably thinking about it in the back of my mind, but it's that extra little nudge. And I feel like now, um, yeah, it's it's like sellers are finally um, able. And I'm not sure, maybe you guys can tell me how long that's been um, part of the feature set. But I feel like it's really great to to have that interaction available to, to both the buyer and the seller. Um, it takes a little bit of the, you know, it's like... It, it just, it's a good, it feels like customer service, I guess. And I really like it. Yeah. Um, customer, uh, custom offers, sorry, have been around for a little while, but within about the last year, they've massively progressed. So now sellers have the ability to add additional offers or custom extras directly into the order yep. or they can do it outside of that. But um, now there's so much from our side where we can basically custom customize or tailor what you need rather than, you know, always having to offer the rigid service. So what I often find is I kind of have the, the service listed, but then those who need or require additional input or they're not sure what they're looking for, when they reach out to me because they know that I offer, you know, let's say logo design, they know I kind of offer logo design, they can reach out to me and say, hey, I see you do logo design, but 
I'm not really sure what I'm looking for or I need something along these lines. And then that's where I, as the seller, can dynamically take their situation and say, right, here's the custom offer for you. But the actual gig itself entices them because they know that's a service I provide. And then I take it the extra step to provide them the custom version of that, if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think, it, it, like I said, it's something that as a buyer, even if at that moment that in time I don't, take you up it um on it still leaves a really good impression that is really really interesting that's really really good to hear you know it's like a fine line too you don't necessarily i well i don't know it's you don't want to get too sally or salesy with it but i i think that if you're in the middle of an order and, and and it's something you know you're listening to the person on the other end and what they want and what they're needing and then you provide them with another better option they're going to be really grateful to you so so maybe they they might get that dessert after all (laughs) i think there's three ways of kind of handling that and one would be to kind of say like no from the seller point of view kind of say like no and be quite rigid within their system which can leave the buyer maybe not really fulfilling exactly what they wanted Mm -hmm. the other is to maybe be a bit too forceful with it where you kind of like order this you need this you know this is what you you know go over the top of it or the middle ground which i personally like to do which is the kind of the suggestion of it so you may approach me and say you know um, this is what i want and i look at it and go okay i can offer this but looking at your situation this would also be beneficial to you and suggest it to you so it's a case of it's always optional but it would be more beneficial. So when you kind of leave it suggestive or optional, I think that's where you kind of, you get the appreciation without too much pressure. Totally. So can you tell us, Jennifer, was there ever an experience that you had going through a sale on Fiverr where you had just an absolutely mind-blowing experience where it was it was a really, really great time for you um, and like what that was like? Is there any like one particular order or seller that stood out? Yeah, there were two actually. Um, I mean, you know, the seller who created our brand logo, I was a great experience. Um, and I think that's just because we really love the logo. Um, but in terms of like the actual, you know, the, the result was really good and something we were happy with, but in terms of the actual, just nitty gritty interaction between buyer and seller, um, there were two experiences that I just, I, I liked the results also, but I really just enjoyed the process of the order. And um, the first was uh, for the the baby invite. And it's possible that I was just super excited and I liked that it was for my baby's, you know, um, I'm not the, the baby announcement. So, but that was really, really great. So that seller is Narice underscore photo and she's the one who does the beanie babies um i just had a really great experience with her you know she she put together this first of all she came up with the announcement language which was great um and so we said well we want a beanie baby we're not sure if it's a boy or a girl and uh you know we don't know what we want to say and she said well why don't you say this and i'll you know, put it with the bunny. And she just kind of took my sort of musing and confusing (laughs) request and turned it into something really cute. And when she delivered the final product, um, it was on a background that I thought 
was a little too gendered at the time, I think, if I remember. And so, you know, it's one of those things where there's nothing wrong with what she delivered. It just, I was probably being a little bit of a pesky buyer. So I said, oh, is there any way to, that you have this? And I was totally willing to place another gig. And she said, no problem. And she, um, she sent through another background. And that was really great. And so once we had our son, we actually went back to her and placed another order you know, for the actual birth announcement. And and I'll probably use her again, honestly, because I just think what she does is so cute, but also because I really enjoyed the interaction um, and just con- conversing with her and the whole process. That was really, really positive. Like, I kind of felt like we were friends at the end of it. Um, and then a little more recently, uh, there, there was another... Um, seller that I asked just to make some very simple, they seem simple, but they were almost like um, little illustrations to really highlight our brand values. And she um, did an awesome, awesome job. And I've actually gone back to her a few times uh, and we'll probably continue to use her because at this point, I feel like we've built up a little bit of a rapport and I just enjoy working with her. And I think she does really good work. And and her um, handle is Fallen Grace. And uh, there was at one point we had a little bit of a, a delay in response. And, and um, it turns out, I guess she wasn't feeling well and and but even amidst all of that she took the time to say I'm not feeling well I'm sorry but I will get back on this and so you know it was I didn't expect her to do that but it just I had a really good experience with her and and she seemed um just genuinely interested in the project too which which is nice yeah I think it's really great when you kind of you you purchase from someone and you can feel that the seller kind of takes a sorry yeah the seller takes an interest in the project or you know in what you're doing so it makes it a whole kind of more smooth transaction i mean i remember when i i bought um a load of illustrations on fiverr to create a, a book for when i proposed to my fiance and i remember that the seller there was really kind of engaged and involved in the whole process they seemed really excited about what we're doing and it just made the whole process really fun and they actually chased me up like a week after delivery with a kind of like, did she say yes? Oh, that's and just, great. <laughs> just kind of getting involved in that whole kind of um, process and, you know, feeling like they, they cared about what, you know, you were doing as the buyer, sure. I think really just made for a really great experience. Yeah, definitely. And I think especially for me with the baby announcements, you know, the business transactions, I don't expect people to get as excited. I mean, it's nice when they're interested in paying attention and they like what they're doing, but I feel like, when it was the announcement for my son, it was really great to have that excitement communicated from the seller's end, you know? So I, I really appreciated that too. I think as well, because a lot of people in Fiverr, you know, some people are full-time, but some people are part-time and, you know, doing hobbies. I think the great thing about Fiverr is when you come on looking for someone, it's something that they have purposely set up themselves and chosen that they want to do. So, you know, they're really happy and like quite fun offering that service. Yep. Whereas, you know, say, for example, you went to an agency and said, can you mock me up a baby kind of an announcement? They might kind of go, oh, not a baby announcement. <laughs> right. Whereas someone who's put up a baby announcement specific service yes. probably really, really enjoys doing that. So you kind of get that enthusiasm 
from people who basically love doing their hobbies or turning you know their hobbies into a part-time job or even a full-time occupation absolutely i definitely i think you hit the nail on the head i think the enthusiasm is a great word i feel like most of the sellers that i've worked with have really had a genuine enthusiasm and and a like they like what they're doing and that comes through so has there been anything that you've come across where you've had an experience with a seller that isn't necessarily so good and where you kind of wish like you could go back and give them some advice as to how they could have made the experience better for you? Actually, you know, we already talked about this gig a little bit, but my first gig, the color psychology for your brand, um, I was not super happy with the end result of that. And as trying to give helpful feedback. I mentioned that to the seller and I remember their response being, well, we did what you asked. (laughs) And I just thought, huh, all right, well, can't argue with that. So I'm going to move on. Like I won't work with them again, you know, and I like, I didn't end up using what they gave me, but it, it wasn't that that partic- that always stood out to me as, as not a great example of, you know, um, customer service or even, I don't know. I mean, I might have, honestly, the funny thing is, is I think I wanted them to give it another shot and I would have done another gig because, but I, that was kind of, they just ended it, right? It was like the end of the conversation and the end of the transaction. So, um, so I didn't do that again. Um, so that was one. And then the other one that I, the other sort of not optimal experience I had, and granted they are very far and few between. I just want to say most of the experiences I've had on Fiverr have been great. And I was just mentioning to someone else who asked me something similar, like about how my, how happy I've been with, with the work I've, I've had on Fiverr. And most of my, most of the time my expectations are exceeded, which is great. But, um, I did have another instance where, and this might be because I'm a writer, but I, I actually, I don't think so. Cause I've, I've, uh, had a couple of writing gigs on Fiverr that I've been happy with, but, um, I placed an order with the seller about one thing, fairly detailed about what I was looking for, um, in terms of the topic and the, the ask it was, it was essentially to take, uh, a deck that I've used for presentations and to help me sort of, which was a very, it was also a very wordy deck, but to take that and um, try and break it down into more like of a paragraph form, you know, turn, turn it into like maybe a very short blog post or something. And I just, I was struggling at the time, finding the time to translate the deck into like a word document. So um, I, I found a seller that had great reviews and, um, ordered a gig. And when I got the order back, it was on a topic that was completely different and, um, almost felt, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know where the, where it, it was very clinical. And I, I mean, I'm not even sure where the content came from, but it definitely felt not like something they wrote. And so that was not a great experience. Um, But the weirdest part to me about that experience was that it was just such a disconnect from what the the gig that I ordered that I, you know, uh, that I actually asked if they perhaps confused me with another buyer. And they said, no, that, that, you know, 
that that was that was their crack at it and so it was such a strange experience that I actually didn't at that point ask them to revise it or anything because it was so off the mark that I felt at that point my time would have been better spent just finding another seller or trying it myself, you know, just finding the time to do it myself. So that was, that was a bit, it was almost a little bit of a twilight zone experience. And I don't know if it was just miscommunication, but it was a little strange and the person was not unfriendly. It was just like a really um, strange experience, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense, but those were the only two really odd experiences I've had and the rest have been really great. So looking at the uh, the seller's perspective of those two um, experiences that went quite you know negatively for you, if you uh, for a better way of putting it, looking at that then it seems that what could have improved that would have been um, if they were in the first instance more receptive to your changes or to your dislike of the original deliverable, and with the second one just more communication on that part. So yeah. again, we kind of come back to when we talked about the good experiences, it's just being engaged in the project. Yeah. So a good thing to take away from that as a seller would be if you necessarily don't receive, you know, the feedback or the the kind of response that you're looking for, it's not what you expected, you know, the buyer to expect from that. Don't disengage. If anything, engage with them more to see what could be done about it. Because if that first seller came back and said, you know, I'm sorry, um, this isn't what you're looking for. Maybe we can um, have a go at it again, simply place another order. Mm -hmm. At least, you know, they're not, you're not asking them to do free work. They're not offering to do free work, but they're they're engaging with you. And even if you said no at that point, if you left and then came back and say six months time and you came across another one of their gigs, you would probably buy it. Yes. But if you came across one of their gigs now, it sounds like you would just avoid that seller. Exactly. And that's a great point. It's, you know, and and this is a huge, huge, huge point I feel because, um, you know, I am a, I do creative work for a living too. And it's how I've made my living for quite a long time and nobody should do free work. And, um, I, I think also if a buyer is, is asking for free work, there's also a way to handle that in a way where you don't, um, cut off the communication. You can, you can, you can say no in a way that is still very customer service friendly. And I definitely think that, that that's important to note that it's not, it's not about getting free work and, Oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to keep making something until you're happy, but it's about just letting the buyer know that you're listening and that, that you hear them. And, um, and I actually think you would sell more work that way, especially with one of, at least one of the instances I mentioned, I, I would have definitely reordered the gig, even though I wasn't happy with the final result, I still would have ordered, reordered a gig. Cause I, I liked the, the prospect of what they were offering. And so it wasn't what I wanted the first time. Maybe they would get it on the second time. And I've actually done that with a few sellers where what I got wasn't exactly what I was looking for, but that doesn't mean it's their fault or my fault. It's just, it's a creative process. And so I placed another gig and, and, you know, got something different and, and was happy with it. And I, and I, I have a now an ongoing relationship with that seller where they, I keep going to them. And so that's, that's really important. I think you highlighted it there where you say, you know, it's a creative process where many things are often subjective when they're delivered. Mm-hmm. So the weight, you know, the importance of a relationship now where you can go back to a seller who you've worked with previously, order something new, and they know exactly, you know, your kind of style or what you're looking for. 
you could almost say, you know, that's that is your seller for life, if you like, or, you know, for the foreseeable future for that, because you know that they have secured you from engaging with you, understanding what your style or your wants or your requirements are in general, and just making the whole process easier for you. Yes. I mean, I, ha- I have buyers now who, you know, they'll come to me and just say, right, Adam, we're doing this today and haven't worked with them before. It's like, yeah, no problem. Just pick it off, you know, where we kind of left it last time. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of value for buyers in that respect to having sellers they know they can trust or just even know what they're looking for. Absolutely. So I think it's, you know, even if something doesn't necessarily go your way as a seller, it's still important to kind of reach out or communicate that because you never know where that relationship could end up or where it could go. Right. And again, you know, it is, it's a creative, iterative process and, um, and, and having worked in teams with other creative individuals, you know, art director, writer, so on and so forth. I understand that. And I think that, um, you can actually have that relationship between a buyer and a seller on Fiverr. It's amazing. You know, you can have truly collaborative experiences, which is really, really great. And I, I think that that, that is what sets Fiverr apart in some ways from some of the other services that might be similar to them is that I, I truly feel you can find and, and build real ongoing work relationships with people. And that's, it's cool. It's like, a, you know, it's, it's a creative process. And, and, um, and even if you don't get the right logo the very first time, what's great about it is that you can try again, you know, you can still like a seller's work, but not necessarily from that. You can, you can exactly, you can learn from that process together and go, huh, well, we tried that and that didn't work. All right, let's try this. And exactly. You can learn as you go along. And I, that is really, really, um, really great. And, uh, something that I, I think is extremely valuable as a buyer, you know, going back to sort of the waiting tables metaphor, um, again, as someone who was a server knowing how, you know, it's, it's not an easy job, but, um, what I, what I always appreciate and appreciated was, you know, obviously when people tipped as a server, it really, that's as a server, that's, that's how you make your living. It's based on tips. Um, and now it's something that I try and make sure to do fairly. I mean, I'm a pretty good tipper um, to my spouse's dismay sometimes, but (laughs) it's really important to me, you know, for service well done to say here, you know, I appreciate it. It's a, it's a symbol of my appreciation. And I really like that feature on Fiverr too, that you can tip um, a seller when, when you are really happy with their service. And I think that, um, it, it, that, it, that it's great that that's there. And it's something that I use pretty frequently myself. Um, and, you know, I think that that, that's something else that, that I think is a good feature to have. Definitely. I mean, I, from a seller's point of view, I think we all appreciate the tip feature as well. Cause it kind of takes out the, any kind of, you know, you don't want to directly ask for one. It kind of makes it the norm of if you want to great, if you don't, don't worry about it. Right. But just coming back to, um, talking about that relationship between the buyer and seller. I think one way to really just summarize it is as uh, you know, the startup coming onto the platform, you put a few $5 orders around, see which one bites, which one you like the most, and then you upgrade. So you, you may end up, you know, let's say a $50 order. Mm-hmm. 
I think you get to that point where you probably have sellers now where you think, right, I want this poster done. You go onto the platform and because you've got that kind of prehistory, that work relationship with that seller now, mm -hmm. rather than having to place the $5 and test it out, you can just put the 50 down straight away and receive what you want back, you know, as soon as possible and just walk away happy. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think the, the lower gigs or, you know, paying gigs are a great way, like you said, to test it out, see how you work together. But there's, it, this is true in business in general. There is nothing more valuable than finding good business partners and good people to work with. And, you know, if you can find those people, whether it's offline, whether it's online on Fiverr, you really, you know, that's, that's, there's really value I find in loyalty. And, um, and I think that, that once you get to that point, um, and I am at that point actually with a couple of sellers on Fiverr where the gig orders are higher now, just because we've already sort of gone through the getting to know you, do we work, do we have the same sensibility, right? Um, is what I think looks good, look good to you or vice versa. Um, and so we've sort of moved past that to, okay, well, let's just go with, with these extras because I know what I want and then I know you can deliver it. So that's really rewarding too. So the, the kind of the big takeaway for the seller there is to make sure you look after your bottom line because there's a lot of chances that relationships can build from that. And just because you receive a $5 order doesn't mean that, it, you know, it's always going to be a $5 order. Right. So where I offer logos, you know, a lot of the time I, I work with $5 orders, but then I have them come back to me for upgraded files or additional work in the future. And we'd normally talk in, you know, $50 plus when we get to that kind of stage. Right. So when I work, I treat a $5 customer as if, you know, the exact same as a $50 customer right. in terms of, you know, the quality of the deliverable, uh, deliverable that I provide. Hmm. So I think that's important to do because a lot of people who are placing $5 orders around you know, might just be testing, might just be seeing which one's, you know, the best to go for. And if you are putting in less effort because you think it's a lower value order, you could actually be missing out in the long run because really it was just kind of a test to see what what you do for five dollars or, you know, how good a quality you can produce. Right. And I think also, you know, it goes back to um you have to know sort of what you are capable of offering as a seller, right? And so um if you place a $50 order as a buyer, it's going to be a different set of expectations than if I place a $5 order as a buyer. Um, and so obviously if I place a $5 order and it exceeds my expectations, I mean, I'm going to walk away feeling great as a buyer. If I place a $50 order and it, it doesn't reach my expectations, then it's like the opposite effect. Right. And so, mm. um, I, I mean, I think that if I, went on to Fiverr as a seller, which I've thought about doing because I would love to get back to writing and doing some of that creative um, output myself. I think that's something I often think about is, okay, so what really could I provide to a buyer that would exceed their expectations for $5? Because if I can do that, then maybe that would turn into, you know, a $50 gig next time. And what could I, you know, at what point could I what would I offer that would exceed their or their expectations for $50? And I think that I can't 
right now the gigs that I'm ordering on Fiverr are definitely over $5, but that's because I started with a bunch of $5 gigs that for the most part went well. And so it actually increases, it increases the, I mean, it increases the money I spend in the gigs that I order on Fiverr almost for everybody because now I'm like, oh, I've had so many good experiences on Fiverr that maybe next time I'll start with a 10 or a $20 gig to test things out. Yeah, I think I think with the larger orders, when you talk about expectations, I think the important thing from the seller's point there is to kind of have a clear pricing structure or clear deliverable. Yeah. So if I were to say to you, I will do a logo for $5 or I will do a logo for $100, that's that's a completely subjective deliverable. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't really quantify the difference in in the quality until you kind of see it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I said, you know, a hundred dollar includes this, 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 and this, and you can actually see the additional work that I'm providing or giving to you, I think then that's a great way to be able to beat the expectations because you kind of you outline them well and then you try to do the best of that mm-hmm. as opposed to just having, you know, a kind of arbitrary price where you say, well, it's 100 this time, but not really having a clear kind of um, pattern as to why it's 100. Right. Yeah. And I think from a seller, it's really great to feel like you're working. I mean, from a buyer's perspective, it's really great to work with a seller who has a really clear price structure because then you know what you're signing up for. And that is that is comforting because it's sort of you don't have to worry about it. Um, and it yeah. shows a professional... Um, quality on their end also that that they have a a, a set pricing structure and that they've put the time into thinking about it themselves yeah for sure yeah i mean you you don't want to go to a seller and say you know this is the poster i want i want this this and this and they say okay that's twenty dollars it's a great poster you come back next time and you say okay we're looking to you know similar to last time and they say okay that'll be sixty dollars you know you need that consistency to also form those long-term relationships right Totally. And I also think, you know, if I started on, as a seller on Fiverr starting out, and you guys could give me tips on this, actually, um, you know, I would probably, I would go on and start to try a gig for $5 to see if I could get feedback from people on it. Cause I would want to sell more gigs to get more feedback. And then once I was confident that I was delivering something that was, you know, making people happy and that I was improving my own skill set on, I would probably then try to think about what the next price point would be. Um, But I think for, especially as a side gig, you know, getting, getting lots of feedback is really valuable too. And, um, and that would be something if I switched to selling and decided to give it a go would be something I would, I would actually put quite high value on is, is that feedback. Um, for myself because I would be doing it as a side hustle, right? So it would be sort of a side thing for me, mainly to keep on my craft and, and keep doing what I love to do, which is right. And so I think it depends what your try, what your what your goal as a seller is. I don't want to move into the seller podcast, but those are just things I think about um, when I sort of think, oh, you know, maybe I'll try try this, dabble on this side of it a little bit. Yeah, I think the great thing about Fiverr is it allows you to come on as a buyer, but you can also kind of see yourself kind of almost grow into a seller if you wanted to. So you have those different kind of avenues where you may find that your buying perspective soon becomes your selling uh, perspective and vice versa. So there's definitely a lot of di- different options available to you as just in general as a Fiverr user. Yeah, definitely. and. Um, you know, I think that 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 only speaks 
highly a fiver that, you know, that you can have that two-way conversion from going buyer to seller, seller to buyer. I mean, it's just this great ecosystem. And I think it speaks to, to the collaboration and creative process that a lot of people are coming to Fiverr for, regardless of which end of that transaction that they're on. Well, that's about all we have time for today. Thank you so much to Jennifer for joining us and giving us such an interesting perspective that we don't normally get to hear. Our jingle was made by Custom Drum Loops, and we were edited today by Donja. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week. Fiber cat.